Hey guys, welcome back to Hero Book. Today I'm going to be reading part 2 of chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. As the door creaked, low rumbling growls met their ears. All three of the dog's noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though it couldn't see them. What's at his feet? Hermione whispered. Looks like a harp, said Ron. Snape must have left it there. It must wake up the moment you stop playing, said Harry. Well, here goes. He put Hagrid's flute to his lips and blew. It wasn't really a tune, but from the first note, the beast's eyes began to droop. Harry hardly drew breath. Slowly, the dog's growl ceased. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees. Then it slumped to the ground fast asleep. Keep playing, Ron warned Harry as they slipped out of the cloak and crept towards the trapdoor. They could feel the dog's hot, smelly breath as they approached the giant heads. I think we'll be able to pull the door open, said Ron, peering over the dog's back. Want to go first, Hermione? No, I don't. All right, Ron gritted his teeth and stepped carefully over the dog's legs. He bent and pulled the ring off the trapdoor, which swung up and open. What can you see? Hermione asked anxiously. Nothing, just black. There's no way of climbing down. We'll just have to drop. Harry, who was still playing the flute, waved at Ron to get his attention and pointed at himself. You want to go first? Are you sure? said Ron. I don't know how deep this thing goes. Give the flute to Hermione so she can keep him asleep. Harry handed the flute over. In the few seconds silence, the dog growled and twitched. But the moment Hermione began to play, it fell back into its deep sleep. Harry climbed over it and looked down through the trapdoor. There was no sign of the bottom. He lowered himself through the hole until he was hanging on by his fingertips. Then he looked up at Ron and said, If anything happens to me, don't follow. Go straight to the Audrey and said Hedwig to Dumbledore, right? Right, said Ron. See you in a minute, I hope. And Harry let go. Cold, damp air rushed past him as he fell down, 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 and slump. With a funny muffled sort of thump, he landed on something soft. He sat up and felt around, his eyes not used to the gloom. It felt as though he was sitting on some sort of plant. It's okay, he called up to the light, the size of a postage stamp, which was the open trapdoor. It's a soft landing, you can jump. Ron followed straight away. He landed sprawled next to Harry. What's the stuff? were his first words. Don't know. Sort of plant thing. I suppose it's here to break the fall. Come on, Hermione. The distant music stopped. There was a loud bark from the dog, but Hermione had already jumped. She landed on Harry's other side. We must be miles under the school, she said. Lucky this plant thing's here, really, said Ron. Lucky? shrieked Hermione. Look at you both. She leapt up and struggled towards a damp wall. She had to struggle because the moment she had landed, the plant had started to twist snake-like tendrils around her ankles. As for Harry and Ron, their legs had already been bound tightly in long creepers without their noticing. Hermione had managed to free herself before the plant got a firm grip on her. Now she watched in horror as the two boys fought to pull the plant off them. But the more they strained against it, the tighter and faster the plant wound around them. Stop moving, Hermione ordered them. I know what this is. It's Devil's Snare. Oh, I'm so glad we know what it's called. That's a great help, snarled Ron, leaning back, trying to stop the plant curling around his neck. Shut up, 
I'm trying to remember how to kill it, said Hermione. Well, hurry up, I can't breathe, Harry gasped, wrestling with it as it curled around his chest. Devil snare, devil snare. What did Professor Sprout say? It likes the dark and the damp. So light a fire, Harry choked. Yes, of course. But there's no wood, Hermione cried, wringing her hands. Have you gone mad? Ron bellowed. Are you a witch or not? Oh, right, said Hermione. As she whipped out her wand, waved it, muttered something, and sent a jet of the same bluebell flames she had used on Snoop at the plant. In a matter of seconds, the two boys felt it loosening its grip as it cringed away from the light and warmth, wriggling and flailing. It unraveled itself from their bodies, and they were able to pull free. Lucky you pay attention in herbology, Hermione, said Harry as he joined her by the wall, wiping sweat off his face. Yeah, said Ron, and lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in crisis. There's no wood, honestly. This way, said Harry, pointing down a stone passageway, which was the only way on. All they could hear, apart from their footsteps, was the gentle drip of water trickling down the walls. The passageway sloped downwards, and Harry was reminded of Gringotts. With an unpleasant jolt of the heart, he remembered the dragons said to be guarding walls in the wizard's bank. If they met a dragon, a fully grown dragon. Now that had been bad enough. Can you hear something? Ron whispered. Harry listened. A soft rustling and clinking seemed to be coming from up ahead. Do you think it's a ghost? I don't know. Sounds like wings to me. There's light ahead. I can see something moving. They reached the end of the passageway and saw before them a brilliantly lit chamber, its ceiling arching high above them. It was full of small jewel-bright birds, fluttering and tumbling all around the room. On the opposite side of the chamber was a heavy wooden door. Do you think they'll attack us if we cross the room? said Ron. Probably, said Harry. They don't look very vicious, but I suppose if they all swoop down at once. Well, there's nothing for it. I'll run. He took a deep breath, covered his face with his arms and sprinted across the room. He expected to feel sharp beaks and claw staring at him any second, but nothing happened. He reached the door untouched. He pulled the handle, but it was locked. The other two followed him. They tugged and heaved at the door, but it wouldn't budge. Not even when Hermione tried her Alohomora charm. Now what? said Ron. These birds. They can't be here just for decoration, said Hermione. They watched the birds soaring overhead, glittering. Glittering? There are birds, Harry said suddenly. They're keys, winged keys. Look carefully. So that must mean, he looked around the chamber, while the other two squinted up at the flock of keys. Yes, look, broomsticks. We've got to catch the key to the door. But there are hundreds of them. Ron examined the lock on the door. We're looking for a big, old-fashioned one, probably silver, like the handle. They seized a broomstick each and kicked off into the air soaring into the midst of the cloud of keys. They grabbed and snatched, but the bewildered keys darted and dived so quickly it was almost impossible to catch one. Not for nothing, though, was Harry the youngest seeker in a century. He had a knack of spotting things other people didn't. After a minute's weaving about through the whirl of rainbow feathers, he noticed a large silver key that had bent wing, as if it had already been caught and stuffed roughly into the keyhole. That one, he called to the others. That big one, there. No, there. 
with bright blue wings. The feathers are all crumpled on one side. Ron went speeding in the direction that Harry was pointing, crashed into the ceiling and nearly fell off his broom. We've got to close in on it, Harry called, not taking his eyes off the key with the damaged wing. Ron, you committed from above. Hermione, stay below and stop it going down. And I'll try and catch it. Right. Now, Ron dived. Hermione rocketed upwards. The key dodged them both and Harry streaked after it. It sped towards the wall. Harry leant forward and, with a nasty crunching noise, pinned it against the stone with one hand. Ron and Hermione's cheers echoed around the high chamber. They landed quickly and Harry ran to the door, the key struggling in his hand. He rammed it into the lock and turned. It worked! The moment the lock had clicked open, the key took flight again, looking very battered, now that it had been caught twice. Ready? Harry asked the other two, his hand on the door handle. They nodded. He pulled the door open. The next chamber was so dark they couldn't see anything at all, but as they stepped into it, light suddenly flooded the room to reveal an astonishing sight. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard. Behind the black chessmen, which were all taller than they were, and carved from what looked like black stone, facing them, way across the chamber, were the white pieces. Harry, Ron and Hermione shivered slightly. The towering white chessmen had no faces. Now what do we do? Harry whispered. It's obvious, isn't it? said Ron. We've got to play our way across the room. Behind the white pieces, they could see another door. How? said Hermione nervously. I think, said Ron, we're going to have to be chessmen. He walked up to the black knight and put his hand out to touch the knight's horse. At once, the stone sprang to life. The horse pawed the ground and the knight turned his helmeted head to look down at Ron. Do we er, have to join you to get across? The black knight nodded. Ron turned to the other two. This one's thinking about, he said. I suppose we've got to take place of three of the black pieces. Harry and Hermione stayed quiet, watching Ron think. Finally, he said, now don't be offended or anything, but neither of you are that good at chess. We're not offended, said Harry quickly. Just tell us what to do. Well, Harry, you take the place of that bishop, and Hermione, you go there instead of that castle. What about you? I'm going to be a knight said Ron. The chessmen seemed to have been listening, because at these words, a knight, a bishop and a castle turned their backs on the white pieces and walked off the board, leaving three empty squares, which Harry, Ron and Hermione took. White always plays first in chess, said Ron, peering across the board. Yes, look! A white pawn had moved forward two squares. Ron started to direct the black pieces. They moved silently, wherever he sent them. Harry's knees were trembling. What if they lost? Harry moved diagonally four squares to the right. Their first real shock came when their other knight was taken. The white queen smashed him to the floor and dragged him off the board, where he lay quite still face down. Had to let that happen, said Ron, looking shaken. Leaves you free to take that bishop. Hermione, go on. Every time one of their men was lost, the white pieces showed no mercy. Soon, there was a huddle of limp black players slumped along the wall. Twice, 
Ron only just noticed in time that Harry and Hermione were in danger. He himself darted around the board, taking almost as many white pieces as they had lost black ones. We're nearly there, he muttered suddenly. Let me think, let me think. The white queen turned her blank face towards him. Yes, said Ron softly. It's the only way. I've got to be taken. No, Harry and Hermione shouted. That's chess, snapped Ron. You've got to make some sacrifices. I'll make my move and she'll take me. That leaves you free to checkmate the king, Harry. But do you want to stop Snape or not? Ron, look, if you don't hurry up, he'll already have the stone. There was nothing else for it. Ready? Ron called, his face pale but determined. Here I go. Now, don't hang around once. You've won. He stepped forward and the white queen pounced. She struck Ron hard around the head with her stone arm and he crashed to the floor. Hermione screamed but stayed on her square. The white queen dragged Ron to one side. He looked as if he'd been knocked out. Shaken, Harry moved three spaces to the left. The white king took off his crown and threw it at Harry's feet. They had won. The chessmen parted and bowed, leaving the door ahead clear. With one last desperate look back at Ron, Harry and Hermione charged through the door and up the next passageway. What if he is? He'll be all right, said Harry, trying to convince himself. What do you reckon's next? We've had sprouts. That was the devil's snare. Flitwick must have put charms on the keys. McGonagall transfigured the jasmine to make them alive. That leaves Quirrell's spell and Snape's. They had reached another door. All right, Harry whispered. Go on. Harry pushed it open. A disgusting smell filled their nostrils, making both of them pull their robes up over their noses. Eyes watering, they saw, flat on the floor in front of them, a throne even larger than the one they had tackled, out cold with a bloody lump on its head. I'm glad we didn't have to fight that one, Harry whispered, as they stepped carefully over one of its massive legs. Come on, I can't breathe. He pulled open the next door, both of them hardly daring to look at what came next. But there was nothing very frightening in there, just a table with seven differently shaped bottles standing on it in a line. Snape's, said Harry. What do we have to do? They stepped over the threshold and immediately a fire sprang up behind them in the doorway. It wasn't ordinary fire either. It was purple. At the same instant, black flames shot up in the doorway leading onwards. They were trapped. Look! Hermione seized a roll of paper lying next to the bottles. Harry looked over her shoulder to read it. Danger lies before you, while safety lies behind. Two of us will help you, whichever you would find. One amongst us seven will let you move ahead. Another will transport the drinker back instead. Two among our number hold only nettle wine. Three of us are killers, waiting hidden in line. Choose, unless you wish to stay here forevermore, to help you in your choice. We give you these clues for. First, however, slyly the poison tries to hide. You will always find some on Nettlewine's left side. Second, different are those who stand at either end. But if you would move onwards, neither is your friend. Third, as you see clearly, all are different size. Neither dwarf nor giant holds death in their insides. Fourth, the second left and the second on the right are twins once you taste them, though different at first sight. Hermione let out a great sigh, and Harry amazed 
saw that she was smiling. The very last thing he felt like doing. Brilliant, said Hermione. This isn't magic, it's logic. A puzzle. A lot of the greatest wizards haven't got an ounce of logic. They'd be stuck in here forever. But so will we, won't we? Of course not, said Hermione. Everything we need is here on this paper. Seven bottles, three are poison, two are wine. One will get us safely through the black fire, and one will get us back through the purple. But how do we know which to drink? Give me a minute. Hermione read the paper several times. Then she walked up and down the line of bottles, muttering to herself and pointing at them. At last, she clapped her hands. Got it. The smallest bottle will get us through the black fire. Towards the stone, Harry looked at the tiny bottle. There's only enough there for one of us, he said. That's hardly one swallow. They looked at each other. Which one will get you back through the purple flames? Hermione pointed at a rounded bottle at the end of the line. You drink that, said Harry. No, listen. Get back and get run. Grab rooms from the flying key room and they'll get you out of the trapdoor and past Fluffy. Go straight to the Aldry and send Hedwig to Dumbledore. We need him. I might be able to hold Snape off for a while, but I'm no match for him, really. But Harry... What if you know who's with him? Well, I was lucky once, wasn't I? said Harry, pointing at a scar. I might get lucky again. Hermione's lip trembled, and she suddenly dashed at Harry and threw her arms around him. Hermione? Harry, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you, said Harry, very embarrassed as she let go of him. Me, said Hermione, books and cleverness. There are more important things, friendship and bravery and... Oh, Harry, be careful. You drink first, said Harry. You are sharp which is which, aren't you? Positive, said Hermione. She took a long drink from the round bottle at the end and shuddered. It's not poison, said Harry anxiously. No, but it's like ice. Quick, go before it wears off. Good luck. Take care. Go! Hermione turned and walked straight through the purple fire. Harry took a deep breath and picked up the smallest bottle. He turned to face the black flames. Here I come, he said, and he drained the little bottle in one gulp. It was indeed as though ice was flooding his body. He put the bottle down and walked forward. He braced himself, saw the black flames licking his body but couldn't feel them. For a moment, he could see nothing but dark fire. Then he was on the other side, in the last chamber. There was already someone there, but it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. And now that, you guys, was the second part of chapter 16, Through the Trapdoor. Don't forget to come back tomorrow for the last chapter, The Man with Two Faces. Tell me what you think and what other stories you'd like to hear me read on my Instagram page, Share a Book Podcast. Have a nice day and keep listening.